I'm Daniel. And I'm Robert. And this This is is Grizzly Grizzly Kiki. Kiki. Today's episode is brought to you by Warby Parker, an eye care brand that offers chic and modern eyewear at a revolutionary price. Simply put, your glasses shouldn't cost as much as a meet and greet with James Charles. Warby Parker's prescription glasses start at $95 and they offer great customer service. I should know. And they do sunglasses too. Buying glasses should be easy and risk-free, girl. Warby Parker's home try-on program lets you fall in love with your glasses in the comfort of your own home. Who doesn't love that? (laughs) Choose up to five frames from hundreds of stylish options and have them shipped directly to you for free. That way you can try on all the frames and pick your favorite. And for every pair of glasses sold, Warby Parker distributes a pair of glasses to someone in need. We don't need people seeing things blurry. And Daniel wears Warby Parker, and now he can actually see me. And I'm now considering a divorce. Hey! To get started, head over to WarbyPorkerTrial.com slash Kiki. Wait, wait, wait. Warby Porker? That's a very different website. I was projecting. Very different. I mean, I project in all directions. Give them them that link one more time. Oh, sorry. To get started, head over to WarbyParkerTrial.com slash Kiki. Again, that's WarbyParkerTrial.com slash Kiki. Warby Parker, modern eyewear made simple. Don't Google Warby Porker. You'll regret it. Are you trying to get me to do my Madonna impression? No. (laughs) Over here doing your... One, two, cha-cha-cha. Madam X is a whore <laughs> from Bridgewater, New Jersey. <laughs> I call her Mama Luma. Um, let's not start out talking about her. Hi. Hi, everyone. <laughs> We're back. <laughs> there's nothing I like to do more than imitate Madonna while I'm cleaning the bathroom. Oh, there's nothing I love to do more than to just imitate Madonna, period. She, it's just, it's, it's great. I forget what I was saying yesterday, but yeah. She's I don't odd. know. Oh, I was I was doing an impersonation of Madonna talking to Rihanna at the Met Gala last year. <laughs> I was like, Hello, Rivi. Hello, Rivi. I love your. Wait, forgot <laughs> what I said. Anyway, let's move on. This is embarrassing. Was it about for me. shorts? No, um, it was her. Um, I don't know. It was something about. Oh, I love your capelet. <laughs> It's not even really that funny, but I just, I have a good time with it. Anyway, moving on. Um, I was so excited. I know, tangent, but whatever. We're already here. I was so excited when I found out that Madonna's first single was called Medellin because I wanted to, I wanted to know how she pronounces it because her pronunciation of stuff is interesting sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like how she says, Puerto Rico, Puerto Rican, Maluma. Slow down, Pappy. Oh my god! <laughs> hey there, Pappy. <laughs> <laughs> it's just really fun. Anyway, is that campy? I think it's campy. Like the the version because it's not Madonna. It's it's no. um. Oh my god! What is the name of the woman who? It's Nadia, Nadia Ginsburg. But it's but yours is total is very different because hers is much more like sounds more like Madonna, whereas yours is like 
I don't know, this weird, like, cartoon version with a really big head. Oh. Like, that's just my, like, like Madonna from the music video. Like, literally, the music video for music, where she's a, a cartoon for part of it. Oh, with a much bigger... She had a drawn-on gap in her teeth yeah. in that video, yes? yes. Yeah. Okay. It was amazing. That's what I thought. But yeah, that's that's Madonna. 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 One, two, three. That weird song she did where she's like... With a baby carriage. Oh my god, Nicki Minaj and um an MIA. Yeah. That was odd. But let's, yeah. Let, let's talk but about But what something. have we been up to? What have we been up to? I don't know. A whole lot of nothing. But mm. no? No, we've been doing that. some stuff. I was trying to turn that into something, but it didn't really work out. So um a side effect of uh losing weight is that I'm starting losing weight and then also the residual effects of listening to um, the episode of Cabronas y Chingonas with um, uh, Favi, Fav, Maite, and uh, and Eva from De Colores Radio uh, is that I'm like starting to feel comfortable with my body and I'm kind of like starting to move in, basically. Mm-hmm. And part of that is that I want to get a tattoo because I don't have any tattoos. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I don't, I don't know, I don't really know what the full reasoning of not having any tattoos is Mm -hmm. I assume it has something to do with just not feeling comfortable in my body. I mean that and having to like, you know, like it's permanent. Yeah. So, you know, I feel like, um, like I like tattoos. I kind of, I do want a tattoo, but it's just like, what do I pick? Cause I don't want to be stuck with something that I look at and I'm like, "Mm, like, I don't like this. See, you know, I've known I've known many people throughout my life that have tons of tattoos on their body and that each tattoo takes on a different meaning. Um, and then, you know, even if you do get tired of it at a certain point, you love it because it's part of your skin. It's now part of you. Mm-hmm. So how many people do you think love those like gecko or lizard tattoos that they get um, in Cancun on spring break? I don't know about anyone with that, but <laughs> in college, I knew someone who had a dancing French toast on their wrist. Oh, but that's, see, that's cute. That's camp. Yeah. <laughs> it's cute, but it's a silly concept mm-hmm. when you think about it. Anyway, my whole point French is toast. that so, like, so that we can test this whole theory out, we have been ordering tattoos from, com- like, different temporary tattoo companies. Um Daniel got a watercolor of a flamingo, like a pink flamingo that is just running from his skin right now. It's like, but it's a watercolor. So it kind of started out looking like it was like smudging. Well, it's not so much the like color of that tattoo. It's that it's kind of like I put Elmer's glue on my arm because that's literally what that whole area feels like right now. Yeah. Like it's like pilling up. And like those reviews said, um, it took on the color. Of, of your whatever shirt is on top of it. Yeah. So, sorry, um, Terry Inc. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I didn't say their name, but you just did. So, well, but I mean, <laughs> you know, yeah. Stay away from momentary ink yeah. while we're there. We haven't gotten our what's the what's the other one? Ink box. Ink box. Yeah. Yeah. But. I've actually heard that Easy Ink is the best mm-hmm. of the three because the tattoo actually has a chance to develop. That's the one on that you skin. just like. Like you don't know water, nothing, right? You just like put on your skin. Exactly. Hmm. Um, I got a like a sleepy panda on my wrist, and I got this other weird one. I was looking for, uh, so I I kind of want to get a tattoo of a drag queen grabbing my shoulder with just like long pink acrylic nails, very mm-hmm. like Patrick Nagel. Um, 
so but that's going to be a work in progress like i'm gonna i'm probably gonna ask david to draw something for that mm-hmm. and then have to go to like maybe his tattoo artist or something yeah. like someone where i can trust that they'll create what david um david ion has exactly, drawn for me yeah. but i haven't talked to him about it yet mm-hmm. because it's a that is a big project yeah. so we will talk about you have that. To commit to that exactly um, but I'm happy. I really, I'm really happy with my sleepy panda on my wrist. I'm actually really sad that like that he will wash away one day because I really want it. But I was talking to Ari Kiki yesterday at Pod in Live, uh-huh. thrown by Tea with Queen and Jay. Um, amazing experience, by the way. Oh, it was so much fun. Big thank you to uh, to Janicia and Queen mm-hmm. for everything that they did. It was just it was magic being yeah. there. Also, Janicia is like the most amazing hostess. I mean, they were both great. Yes, but Queen was kind of like in a like you know fluttering around, and and Janicia was like, "How are you? Do you need anything?" Like she was really just such a, a like a gracious host in this space. Yeah, I just got such a great you know like energy from her in particular. I really enjoyed that. It was a very nurturing vibe. Yeah. Um, I really, mm-hmm. I was sort of like front row for um, the, the photo, like the group photo that we took. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I really enjoyed queen like uh, conducting. It felt like she was like conducting the crowd mm-hmm. during candy rain. It was, it was, it was so magic. much fun to watch. Cause she was just like on those stairs, like, you know, exactly that. like <laughs> like dancing and like robert said literally conducting it was so much fun yeah like and i didn't even have to know the words yeah because i really didn't i am a i am socially awkward to the max with everything but the fact that queen was essentially like she was telling me like you have to get into this moment and so i had no other choice yeah. and i'm i appreciate that mm-hmm. because you took me out of myself yeah um, but anyway, back to w- what I was saying about Ari Kiki. I was talking to Ari. Ari has a bunch of tattoos, but specifically ones on her wrist. And so we were talking about that. And apparently wrist tattoos are very painful. So I need to work up that nerve mm-hmm. and actually go and do this because I'm pretty sold mm-hmm. on having... I might even have a panda. Daniel has suggested that I get a panda on each wrist and that they have different like attitudes. Mm-hmm. Well, because um, now, right now you have Poot Panda. Yes. And so I think on your other hand, you should have Dancing Panda. You know, like a, like the same type of panda, but like, wee. Although I do like your idea for to have a panda in like the, the Burt Reynolds centerfold pose. That'd be very funny. Yeah. Like on their shoulder with their hand mm-hmm. on their head. Yeah. yeah. That, I want to have just, a panda like posing That's in a Robert sexy on, way. The, on the sofa every time <laughs> I come home from work. <laughs> I'm like, yep, there he is. Yeah. Um, so that's one of the things we've been yeah. doing. And then before that, last Sunday, we had a kind of sushi, 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 sushi. Um, we had a, uh, <laughs> sushi, sushi extravaganza. Um, no, we went to, um, oh my God. Blah, blah, blah. We went to our favorite sushi place, Sushi Village, um, with Fabi Fav from Latinos Who Lunch and the Art Pod, uh, Art People Podcast, um, Eva from Decolores Radio, and uh, Fabi's friend uh, Francisco Donoso, who's a really interesting uh, contemporary artist. Yes. Um, and we had the ultimate key. Yes. At sushi. Yeah, I think we were there for like three hours. It was great. I lost track of time. All I know is we kept on ordering and all five of us would just be like can we do it yes we can (laughs) and um 
It was a lot of fun. I love that Eva wrote in white rice. Mm -hmm. I wanted that to be a moment. I wanted to, I will always vote for white rice. Yeah. (laughs) Um, It was so much fun, not only getting to like see Fabi again and his friend Francisco, but getting to meet Eva for the first time. Yeah. Um, She was so much fun. Yeah. Like, I can't even tell you. Yeah. It was so great. I was mesmerized by her makeup. I loved her nails. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm always very quiet when I'm appreciating like the the visual because Mm -hmm. I just want to like be in my thoughts and enjoy. So that's why you're so quiet around me. You're just always like indulging in the visual. Sure. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Shut up. Um, yeah, but that was fun. <laughs> so big, big shout outs to all three of them. Yeah. Um, and then again, a shout out to Ari and Vicky from the Shade Parade, who we spent most of yesterday mm-hmm. with at Pod in yeah. Live. And DJ. And DJ, DJ who we met who, for the first who time. We yesterday. met for the first time. Yeah. We listened to the Shade Parade. He he is always there, but only recently has he started like, you know like uh jumping commenting in. and um and yeah. he's actually the one who does their like produces the show and does their sound and everything and he just he just makes me cackle yeah. and i was so happy to finally meet him it was yeah. so much fun yeah it was <laughs> great and and um i mean i don't know how how much he wants to know whatever but uh vicky's boyfriend was also there oh my god he's so silly and, and he's funny. great yeah it's always fun when we see our podcasting sisters yeah. um and we met some great people mm-hmm. at the at the event yesterday um we met lisa from from uh black Black women stitch Stitch. yeah yeah so she is um oh go ahead that wasn't my so excited oh (laughs) oh i'm so sorry i did not mean to steal that from you but yes we met some amazing people and you'll find out about them later later. yeah (laughs) (laughs) i'm so sorry um yeah and we got interviewed yes we did as well, which once we get that information, we will share it with you. Um, it's uh, Brew Thoughts Podcast. Brew th- oh, so you got the name. I didn't know that. The I name know, is yeah. Brew Thoughts Podcast. Yeah. Um, we got interviewed by Fly. Fly. There we go. Seeing. Yes. There was so many people there. It's a blur. But that was fun. Yes. We've never been like interviewed before. It was also really, really great. You know, we weren't one of the featured podcasts, but um Genesia felt the need to include us and mm-hmm. i really appreciate that yeah that was nice um that was re- that was really great mm-hmm. and it just the work that that Genesia and queen did with that event it, like spectacular yeah you've created magic and you've inspired both of us i think mm-hmm. um and uh i hope that we can keep that momentum going and have other events uh, throughout the year where mm-hmm. we can feel because i feel like as podcasters community is sort of missing in a way i mean i am always inspired by the baddie brigade which is tea with queen and jay queer walk uh marsh's plate um uh inner Ho uprising and i know i'm leaving other people out but um oh bag ladies like they're they're all the the community that they have within each other is so inspiring and so i would also like to foster some community Mm -hmm. um through our podcast and um and the shade parade also seemed to be very interested in doing something similar so i think like we need to um we need to keep that momentum going and Mm -hmm. have other events that um that create the same sense of community so that we can feel connected kind of like all year round yeah and hopefully have other things so that you know 
Mm-hmm. We have the inspiration we need, and we can look at a few like a like a future podcaster and yeah. be like, "You are a podcaster. You mm-hmm. you're thinking about it. You're I buying mean, like, equipment, yeah. and we'll talk about it." But like meeting yeah. a, a, a somebody who's kind of who comes to this, you know, pod and live, and it's just like, "Well, I'm I want to you know create a podcast, and I have this idea, and 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 they just tell you their idea and a little about themselves and you just wish that they had like 20 episodes already mm-hmm. that was great yeah you know so that's what these are also for is like if you have an idea for a podcast you can share format ideas equipment you know tips um like whether you should have a co-host or not like also you know that was one of the questions that some yeah. people asked us too um yeah it's one of the things that when we started out podcasting there were so many mistakes that we made um, from the the sound quality to uh, the way that we launched our website and and the you know the little bit of merch that we do have, um, there were so many mistakes that we made, and I sort of wish that there had been more of a community, um, like that I had sought out more of a community in the beginning so that we could have learned from other other people who were there before us. Yeah, um, and I'm grateful that i did reach out to someone and they helped with mm-hmm. uh improving our audio quality and and other you know like other tips and tricks and i want to pay that forward i yeah. know like it's very important yeah so yeah. anyway um should we take a break yeah okay we're gonna take a break and we're come back we're gonna come back with our notes on the met gala so stick around we'll be right back Oh, hi, it's me, Robert. And I have a question. Do you shop on Amazon? If so, you can be a supporter of our show. Just go to grizzlykiki.com and click the Amazon button in our menu. Anytime you shop on Amazon using our link, we'll get a small commission on everything you buy. And it's free. There's no cost to you as the money comes out of Amazon's pocket, not yours. So bookmark it, use it, and every time you buy from Amazon, you'll be helping us keep the kiki going. And we're back, and we are going to talk about the Met Gala for this year's uh, Costume Institute exhibition, um, Camp Notes on Fashion. Um, As usual, the Met Gala is the kind of preeminent social event of the social season in New York, um, also known as the Party of the Year. It's been held every year since the Costume Institute was founded, I believe, in the 60s, Um, mainly because the Costume Institute is the only... Uh, department division at the Met that actually has to fund itself and doesn't get um, any funding from the kind of uh, main budget uh, operating budget at the Met. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. So the, 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 the money that they raise uh, goes directly to exhibition development, um, object care, um, programming, you know, anything related to the costume Institute is funded mainly by the Met Gala. That happens on the first Monday in May every year. I find that interesting because it seems like the majority of the majority of like interest in the Met itself comes from the Costume Institute's exhibitions. Well, yeah, I mean, that is the I mean, also the Costume Institute has its own social media as well, which is quite interesting. Right. Um, But it's uh, I I think it's because what the Costume Institute does at the Met is something that is very easily, um, I guess, marketable to people, like, you know, to right. to, to kind of uh, mainstream or, you know, a wider orient, um, audience, whereas things 
like their other temporary exhibitions in some parts of the permanent collection are not as um, digestible as something, you know, like not that fashion is simple by any means, but I feel like everybody has an interest in fashion. Not everybody, you know, has an interest in, you know, 16th century, like Indian manuscripts, Mm, you know, like shows like that, that they've done in the past, which have been amazing shows, but don't necessarily lend themselves to this like blockbuster, you know, type of uh, attendance, you know? Um, it just, it seems from the, their, their choice to go from, um, sort of like pay as, pay as you'd like mm -hmm. for everyone to this 20, like fixed $25 mm -hmm. fee for all non, uh, is it non New York city, New York, non New York, Connecticut and New Jersey residents, I think. Okay. So, so to go from a pay what you want uh, structure mm -hmm. to a fixed $25 fee, it seems like they they would want to reward the, um, the Costume Institute the for Costume Institute, the, the exactly. number of people. Because they do, I mean, exactly. you know, the Costume Institute does draw a large number of people to the museum. I right. mean, in, in some years it can, it can um, cause them to break attendance records. Right. You know, right. Um, but anywho... Yes, we're not here to talk about that. It's um, just a tangent. It, it's just it's it's a fascinating department at the Met because it's something that until it was founded, displaying uh, fashion or costume as they call it, you know, at, at the way they do and studying it the way they do, um, was essentially unheard of in the museum world until Diana Vreeland, uh, a, you know, famous editor of Vogue magazine, um, uh, you know, helped to to found. The, the Costume Institute. So since then, that's kind of been a, a really important niche that they've carved out. Yes. I think. Um, I had a really good time with uh, the Met Gala this year. I know yeah. I've never been this excited to Wasn't see... Wasn't it so much fun to attend? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I was literally watching a live stream of it at mm -hmm. the gym on the elliptical. Yeah. And I was like, the Met Gala needs to be every day because this, this, ex mm -hmm. this like gym moment flew by. They've also <laughs> never, it, it has never been covered like this before. Right. Like these live streams. I mean, at least that I'm aware of, I've literally never seen this before. Mm -hmm. You know, like you'll see things on social media or photos the next day and interviews and stuff, but it's not like this. Right. You know, um, it was, for me, it was interesting because I work a block and a half away from the two hotels where everybody was staying at the Mark and the Carlisle. Mm -hmm. And so you, we could hear the crowds screaming yeah and my coworker's like what's that and i'm like it's the met gala like all the celebrities are like walking there yeah they're like oh and like even when i was leaving work walking by one of the hotels i saw ezra, ezra miller walk out of the hotel and it was amazing just did you know it was was it ezra miller with the mask in front of his face or? he was taking it on i mean i didn't know who it was oh but okay then, but then later you know as i on the way home looking at the photos i was like oh ezra miller but it was him and you know he had that, that like the face right yeah. the mask of his face and he just turned toward the, the crowd and like it slipped a little and you could see what was it was just very very um disconcerting but it was really cool yeah i, I have to say um, I had a really good time uh, in the group chat with Vicky and Ari. Oh my god! From, again from the Shade Parade, amazing. Um, they have their own. Uh, they had their own conversation about the Met Gala, so be sure to go listen mm -hmm. to that. Um, and um, uh, yeah, it was just it was fun chatting about all of these different looks and 
we were all on different live streams, so yeah. we were catching things at different. We were also moments. like providing each other with different like links, like, "Hey, look at this! Hey, here's the extended cut." You know, yeah. <laughs> like, "What about so and so? What is she wearing?" Like, it was yeah. a lot of fun trying to like decipher what everyone was wearing, which we mm-hmm. still we still didn't figure out what Kylie and Kendall. Like what was uh, there? There have been memes of them as uh, Velma and um, oh my god, Velma and Louise. No, <laughs> shut up, Velma and the the, the other the other uh, uh, female character on Scooby Doo. I forget her name because um, they had like you know purple and and orange sweaters. Um, mm-hmm. I saw them as oh my god, um, the evil stepsisters from evil a step Cinderella si- story. Sisters, uh, for, uh, Jim Carrey and uh, Jeff Daniels. Right? Sure. From um from Dumb and Dumber. I I don't know. I honestly can't figure I mean, the colors were camp and stuff, but and you know, like I think it was interesting. Um I I, I don't know. I mean, I also think it's kind of like l- looking to see who was like what people were dressing up as, I think was like a really common mistake to make with this because it's mm. not necessarily um who are you you know who are you trying to be tonight mm-hmm. it's more what are you trying to evoke and what um what type of over the topness are you you know going for right. you know because at the end of the day that that's you know kind of what camp is it's the, these kind of you know wink wink references to pop culture things you know that can be sometimes mundane but are um you know have just made their way yeah. into kind of general talk yeah you know um, well, let's talk about Billy Porter. Oh, my God. In all of his Cleopatra, Pepper LaBeija glory. I mean, the blondes did good. Yeah. He did even better. I mean, this, like, literally entering the Met Gala like Elizabeth Taylor did in Cleopatra was absolutely amazing. Right. It was just great. Yeah. I mean, I want that to be my everyday life. Yeah. Just carried around. Yeah. Who wanted, Who wouldn't want to enter every... Make every entrance on a litter with a bunch of yeah. buff gentlemen carrying you in. I went into the laundry room like that. <laughs> That's camp. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Um, do you want to talk about Janelle Monet? Mm. Absolutely. Sorry. <clears throat> <laughs> so Janelle Monet. Speaking of wink, wink. Janelle Monet for me was. I just, I just can't, I can't stop looking at it. I think it's amazing. Uh-huh. Um, she wore this like hats on hats on hats, you know, headpiece by Christian Siriano with it with a, a an ensemble and like black fuchsia and white, you know, with this with this uh, bra cup that had this giant eye on it and an even bigger like ostrich feather eyelash that was just blinking. It was literally moving, and it like in the other hand she had a. Uh, a clutch that was an eye. There was an eye on on the skirt of her dress. It was so um, it was so extra and performative. Um, and also, she couldn't really move in it, so she had to you know keep her hands at her sides. It mm-hmm. was just great. The lips it was theatrical. In, the lips in her hair on the little springs. Did you mm-hmm. see that? I mean, it was just she like she aced the assignment. Yes, like absolutely because you know I think the dress code this year was um, studied frivolity, which I mean that's what camp is. Yeah. You know, um, but she just, she made me so happy. Right. Yeah. Um, so Lupita Nyong'o uh, was, at least from what I saw of all the looks, she was the one person who actually um, like gave a nod to Divine, mm-hmm. who to me is 
like for so long has been um, a great visual representation of camp. Um, So I really just appreciated it. I also didn't recognize her, which I think is sort of the mark of, um, I guess like uh, disappearing into uh, like a concept or Mm -hmm. a look or whatever it is. But um, she really let herself be kind of um, consumed by her her outfit in a really good way i think right because it's just so different yeah i mean i love the um the kind of black power fist um hair picks yes in her hair yes. they were um, um, amazing and just were you know where where it was just her hair and and these 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 combs that were this turned into this amazing headpiece that were framed by these tulle kind of butterfly wings on this cape that you know donatella versace designed for her i mean it was just colorful and very tongue-in-cheek i think um yeah very effy trinket in a way yeah yeah and and you know she wasn't carrying a purse she was carrying a fan that (laughs) matched i mean it was just so um kind of statement making yeah i think um another person who i was uh especially floored by um was uh lady gaga who who was the first person to arrive um at the run on the runway yes and i mean it's because she was the chair one of the co-chairs of the event. So they, you know, have them kind of come in first for the most part. Mm. But this like 16 minute, like art school choreographed performance <laughs> that she had with what was like 10, 10 dancers and Brandon Maxwell, you know, just kind of catering to her and, you know, and like, like a quote unquote hair and makeup team. Oh my God. I yeah. know it was just so good, you know, and, and going from that like jacket to a ball gown to a, like a pink, tube dress and then you know her kind of signature fishnets and bra i mean it baby was baby gaga yeah baby gaga yeah. and then you know carrying around this like uh pink wagon um <laughs> with uh all of the, those uh the purses with like pink cowboy hats on them um it was just such high camp mm-hmm. but it wasn't even it wasn't necessarily the garments because the garments while beautiful were not the highlight i think i think it was the 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 way that they were used as a vehicle for this performance like they yeah. they were functional like these layers were meant to serve as transition between different um kind of sections of this performance mm-hmm. which I, I think is is a really interesting embodiment of camp because it's it's intangible like you can't feel you, you know you you can't like put a, a performance on display in a static way yeah you know her camp was not tied to just what she was wearing in fact i think it was tied very loosely to what she was wearing it more had Mm. to do with the this whole performance that she gave us yeah yeah it was really fun Mm -hmm. and and the idea that she is just this she's she's uh acting out this like this like super annoying client Mm -hmm. that can't stand still long enough for a fitting or to get her makeup done it's just i love it or can't get off the phone yeah Yeah. that's so real which was her purse too which was yeah she had a she had a zach morris phone as her purse i know i mean that's extra jesus christ we should all we should all have zach morris Mm -hmm. phones as our bags yeah absolutely (laughs) um ezra miller who you started to talk about um i i thought was just it was was so genius because again i did not recognize him Mm -hmm. to me that could have been anyone yeah um, and so I guess, I guess for me, camp is also, uh, like you disappearing into like you committing to the point where like, I don't see you anymore. Mm-hmm. I just see this concept that yeah. you, that you've created. 
um, the the eyes on on his face were painted on beautifully because they actually looked like eyes, mm-hmm. and um, it it just it it was it was studied frivolity, but it was done in a way where the rest of the outfit was somewhat serious, mm-hmm. and then it was like, look at all these eyes yeah. I have. Well, it's kind <laughs> of this um, almost surreal. Yeah. Effect, I think, and they flew in this this um, this makeup artist from Canada who's specifically known for doing that type of um, you know makeup, like painting things like that that look realistic on people. Um, I'm a little surprised that it wasn't Glenn Allen because he's like known for oh my god when he does like the upside down girl, yeah, That's very creepy, yeah. Um, but I like this like Burberry look that was a suit with this like crystal corset over it and 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 cape and all that i think it was kind of the representation of of you know early 20th century dandy you know like especially yeah. like with the marcel hair but it, it was also um taking it a step further and i think like questioning identity specifically with all the eyes and and having a mask of his actual face to cover it up you know and kind of commenting on artifice which is what camp revels in is this um kind of uh celebration of artifice and all that is fake and mm. plastic you know mm-hmm. that that's it's, it's celebrating all of this so i thought he did a really him and his team did such a great job with this particular look yeah yeah um and then my third person who i okay i'm gonna say i like the dress yeah How about that so let's go with that i like this mugler dress that walked down the pink and uh feathered carpet at the Met Gala. it was um on Kim Kardashian, who <laughs> Mugler came out of retirement for. He has not designed anything under uh, the house of Mugler for over 20 years. Um, so everything you see of his is typically um, archive uh, pieces right. because he didn't, you know. So this is the first time he'd done that. And and this like that like latex... Um, that like latex rubber dress that they made for her or rather silicone. I'm sorry. Um, that was modeled after that famous photo of Sophia Loren coming out of the water where the shirt dress is like just, um, um, clinging, to clinging her to her body. They, mm-hmm. they achieved that effect and then added, uh, crystals in the shapes of drops of water that were just hanging off of the dress, her arms. She had black ones in her hair. It was, um, I think that this, I, this, like Trump Loy effect that it had was what made it so camp, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and also these exaggerated proportions that she got thanks to a, in, like industrial strength corset, mm-hmm. <laughs> I thought was amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm also, I mean, we can, we can have a whole conversation about how somewhat, how disappointing it is that Mugler came out of retirement know, to for, make a dress for, for Kim Kardashian because it, go, it I, mm-hmm. I feel it goes against mugler in a way well not i mean not really because he was always kind of associated with not people like kim kardashian but people who were very much in the public eye and and highly visible Mm -hmm. um but i think that she something about her has really struck a chord with him because she was his date to the opening of of this retrospective that's traveling now um about him that opened at the um the uh the the march the the montreal museum of of beaux-arts in in canada um where was this kind of career spanning retrospective and she was his date and he dressed her in something like four different you know um vintage pieces vintage pieces from the archive so i feel like there's a little more there that maybe we don't know about yet but if he does come out of retirement fully honestly i really don't care 
who he you know comes out of retirement for it's just that it i just i wish it were on just somebody else i guess but i don't know i mean she it was phenomenal it made me forget that it was kim kardashian absolutely which is a good thing i think yeah i i sort of wish it had been cardi because he um she wore all of these vintage she chose to wear all of these vintage pieces to the grammys Mm -hmm. um that were all his yeah and I, i just i don't know there's just there's something about knowing that there is this genius who is retired but also has all of these amazing pieces I mean, it kind of reminds me of J-Lo's story about her Grammy dress and how it like she almost didn't wear it because it had mm-hmm. been worn by two other people before her. Yeah. And and it turned into this huge moment. Mm-hmm. It's sort of like that. I don't really want to compare Cardi to J-Lo. But anyway, um, or maybe I do. I don't know. Um, I mean, Cardi, who went to the Met Gala in one of the costumes from the cell, I'm convinced. <laughs> It all comes. It was comes so. Full I mean, I we're you know that was a very interesting outfit. I don't. Yes. I don't think it was camp, but yeah. I'm. I'm. I mean, I don't know. I'm. I'm a little confused by it. But yeah. it's my. It's my phone backdrop. She's not. Well, it was amazing, <laughs> but she's not on our list. Right. Um. Where were we? We're talking about Lena Waithe next. Uh. Um. Yeah. I just. I really. I love someone who. And and I. Full disclosure, I just finished reading Notes on Camp by uh, by Susan Sontag. And in it, it says that camp is apolitical, meaning that it is not political. Mm-hmm. Um, and I felt like Lena's outfit was political and it was also camp. And it was, thirdly, important for her to be wearing what she was wearing because it reminded that, you know, I feel like we haven't seen the exhibit yet, but I feel like we're in for a lot of erasure of people of color and her wearing what she wore to me, it was a reminder to everyone that uh, people of color were the tastemakers and they, de- they helped develop this yeah. visual style. Mm-hmm. So um, very important. Also, I would love, and I haven't done this and I should do it. I would love to search for a high res image of her outfit from the front because I want, a clear view of all the buttons because they were mm-hmm. all um i think they were all legends of hip-hop no that was the designer oh okay so, yeah so her date uh was the designer uh kirby jean raymond who created both both of their outfits so yes. she her powder blue suit had uh lyrics from songs like i'm coming out and i think supermodel and um i think it was cover girl was actually. it cover girl yeah i think it was cover girl um, and Sylvester as well. And her buttons were like images of those people. And then she had the embroidery on the back that said Black Drag Queens invented camp, which was amazing. And then her her date, the designer, his was the one with hip hop lyrics and had like faces of, Jay, of um, I think Jay-Z was on there and Tupac and Biggie as well. Um, Every image I found yeah. of it, when I would zoom in on the buttons, it would get super blurry. Yeah. So. There are photos on their Instagrams that are a little clearer oh okay that they did but um i i just thought it was such a powerful statement that she and and the designer made yeah um but i think that in it it, i guess it 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 is political but at a certain point it's uh, it can be apolitical because i think that it's a state you know it's a statement either way it's a statement Mm -hmm. and i think using words on clothing is quite camp Mm. actually i mean i think the whole idea of carrying a bag with logos on it is camp Hmm. You know, because it's 
your your marketing for them you know um but um yeah i I thought it was terribly interesting part of the met gala at least for me was trying to understand what camp is exactly because i i came away from it a little confused Mm -hmm. um so i guess my initial idea of camp was just like was this idea of it's so bad that it's you know iconic very I mean that's one of that's one of the 58 bullet points in right. Susan Sontag's essay which we will talk about in on a future episode yes. but um it's going to get real campy in yes. the next few weeks yes um but I, I think it's it 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 uh it it just achieves camp I I think it is you know because like Susan Sontag's 58 bullets are you know rooted in this kind of mid-1960s mentality as well. So, yeah. you know, we were looking at her essay and, and, and the curators were looking at this essay as kind of a, 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 um, a springboard for this conversation that they were having in this show. But that's also, you know, 60 years old mm-hmm. at this point. So a lot has happened. And I'm sure that were she still alive today, or maybe she's still alive. I didn't look into that. Um, <laughs> the, you know, it, there there might be some updating. I don't know. Right. Yeah. Um, the next person who really just kind of, I think, AC assignment was Tracy Ellis Ross, mm-hmm. um, who wore this uh, Moschino ensemble that was really just a like black satin dress. But the highlight of it was this beautiful picture frame that literally framed her face and was attached to the dress and was based on um, a 1980s uh, performance art uh, piece where... Um, people were given frames and essentially kind of um um oh my god what's the like um flash mobbed uh, public places to you know affirm that they were beautiful you mm-hmm. know i like i am the art essentially so right. i thought that that was very campy because she basically turned herself into a walking work of art right and it was also kind of surreal like when she would grasp the frame from the back with her hands you know hands coming over a like a picture frame that's also very um i think out of the the norm and kind of uh, the experience that you would normally have right with a painting so i loved the way that the the way that the frame was placed so that it perfectly framed her bust line i thought that was really clever and i also loved the um the added layer of it being sort of reminiscent of her mom for me, because that's what I saw immediately. I was like, oh, you're referencing Diana Ross in this. And that's just like it, you know, another element of camp is there being this double entendre that or this like layered meaning to to the look. So I definitely saw that. And I just I to add on to what you were saying earlier, I just looked up Susan Sontag and she is and she she passed in 2004. So, oh. yes. Um, the artist, by the way, was named um, Lorraine. The artist that inspired Tracy Ellis exactly Ross's was uh, Lorraine O'Grady. Ah, okay. so look her up. It's very interesting. Yes. Um, next or last on my list actually is Casey Musgraves, uh, who came as um, the Moschino Barbie. Amazing. With uh, a um, a blow dryer as a purse. I, I I will be very honest with you. I think so. I think Casey Musgraves is gorgeous. Um, I don't listen to her music because, you know, I'm late to every party. So I'll probably start listening to her sometime next year or maybe in 2021. Um, and, um, I really, I mean, I, I love, uh, I love a leather jacket. I love the color pink. 
So, you know, she was kind of giving me everything I needed, but I will be very honest with you, the Jersey girl in me went zeroed right in on that purse. And I was like, this is what I am about right here. This purse right here. Everything. (laughs) If she could have, um, if she pulled out another uh, accessory from her purse and it was a can of hairspray, that would that probably would have been too much for mm-hmm. me. You you would have been able to. Handle I wouldn't that. have been able to handle. Yeah. I probably would have passed out. I. <laughs> she really just looked like Barbie. Yes, which was the the like just yeah, it was great. She arrived in a like a pink convertible too, which was just sil- It was so silly. Yes, you know, and um, yeah, it was just perfect. Yeah, there was a great theatrical element to her walking the runway mm-hmm. that I feel like a lot of other people sort of missed in terms of their presentation mm-hmm. of what they were wearing. Yeah, it's It sounds like a lot because at the end of the day, this is an invitation to a party. Mm-hmm. But your, your, part, uh, your part performance as you're Well, arriving. yeah. I mean, and, you know, something like this has a dress code. Exactly. So it... Um, and given that last year's was Heavenly Bodies and there were all of these beautiful, mm-hmm. you know, uh, beautifully uh, like encrusted uh, religious like visuals on everybody's outfits, you'd think that, you know, that obviously lent itself to some level of theatricality. And then they're also mm-hmm. having you film these little like boomerang yeah. style videos. Um, you'd think that th- people would want, you know, like. Well, but I think I think it's like that. It, with something like Heavenly Bodies. um, you could do it, it's still pretty do you know what i mean like you can be you can have crosses on your outfit or go you know encrust it like kim kardashian did basic kim kardashian last year but she had byzantine crosses on her dress mm-hmm. you know um but it's still pretty so how do you you know camp i think is it's not necessarily pretty i think it's more about being clever and even then you can't be too clever because you shouldn't be conscious of the fact that you're being camp because right. then it kind of cancels itself out. Right. Um, so, I mean, yeah, I, I think it was just really, um, a mi- some, uh, uh, for a lot of people it was a missed opportunity. Right. You know, and then like it's the, the last person and not the last person who was great, but the one who like kind of impacted me as well was Jordan Roth, um, who wore this, uh, custom Iris and Herpen, um, caftan <laughs> <laughs> that, when when he had his arms down, it was a uh, like a, a you know a dark uh, opera house with a red curtain, and then when he lifted his arms up, what was revealed underneath was the proscenium for the theater, kind of in full on full display, curtains open, and it's not only kind of I think campy that he himself becomes the backdrop, but the fact that it was also because Iris and Herpin de- developed this way of laser cutting fabric with a professor, you know, to, to figure out how to like cut this overlayer into a, like fractions of a millimeter thin honeycomb, but it was still printed. I mean, it, it just like kind of mind blowing, Yeah, you know, but that's essentially what she does is, is these kind of technologically advanced uh, feats of fashion. Um, so I thought that was really amazing just for the, the kind of the way it worked quality of it yeah it was really it was a really cool visual yeah um do we want to talk about some of the uh some of the looks that we were a little disappointed by yeah um well i hate i hate to put this person at the top of the list but let's talk about frank ocean really quickly see and i disagree with you on this but go ahead well i don't think you understand my perspective Mm. um (laughs) 
to me, Frank Ocean being uh, being part of the LGBT community, I feel like his visibility at an event that is highlighting, that is attempting to highlight the LGBT community, I think this is the moment to go big and to make a statement, basically, even though that's not camp. But still, this is a, a moment of, of uplifting mm-hmm. the queer community. Yeah. So for him to go... Okay, so he's either dressed as a Prada bag or he is a um paparazzo he was a paparazzi a paparazzo because he had yeah. he had a, like the the classic like camera and shit or he's both or he yeah maybe he's a <laughs> he's a picture taking backpack and i get it but it's like it was a little too cerebral and not um not big and explosive and theatrical mm-hmm. like it probably could have been yeah so that's why i was disappointed what do you think i i mean i wouldn't say i was terribly disappointed but then again i'm also not looking at the men because like i don't really put much store by what they're going to do generally let me be clear had it been someone else like it had it been a straight man who was just like accompanying their date i would have been fine with it but because it was frank ocean Mm. and because frank ocean has done things like he did a whole performance of forrest gump on uh, i think it was the vmas where he was standing behind a table that had his like it had a projection of legs that were running throughout the entire performance like that he knows what theatricality yeah, he knows is, what to do. and he chose to do this instead. I don't know. That's I think it, it wasn't one of the laziest choices, mm, okay. you know. And I I thought it was interesting because it took I, me a minute. I agree with that. Yeah, it, it took me a minute to say, oh, and I'm like, oh, that's kind of clever. That's kind of clever. It took me seeing the memes the next day to yeah. kind of put it together. But I mean, I, I like I said, I'm I don't necessarily focus on the men, you know, gay, straight, or otherwise. It, it's more like oh there's this outfit okay what who's wearing it like it's it's really the you know kind of um i I let the visual lead me and so if i'm interested in it i pay attention if not i just don't it's kind of sucks because billy porter came in toward the beginning of the red carpet and so he sort of set the stage yeah absolutely so it was like meet him or or surpass him Mm -hmm. in a way and i don't think anybody really was able none of the men men at least were really able to do that Mm -mm. and i mean this is asking a lot of like the celebrities that are just going to a party but um i don't know i just i think that having i i wonder if that was a conscious decision or if it was just like oh billy porter's here let's let him in you know what i mean if it was a conscious decision to have him come in it's not at the beginning well it is a conscious decision because all of the entrances are very carefully timed Mm. so because you know anna wintour likes it that way mm-hmm. so everybody's actually given a time at which like they're supposed to be queued up to go in i see yeah that makes me mm-hmm. more disappointed yeah so i mean you don't know who's going before or after you you just know when you have to be there well and you kind of understand the closer you get to the end of the red carpet the more you know the more mm-hmm. of a wow factor you're probably going to like want Mm -hmm. who doesn't want to to like harken back to these like these like studio era Mm -hmm. uh moments where the actresses were like they were protected in a way so that you didn't know anything about their personal lives all you got was them walking the red carpet Mm -hmm. into a premiere exactly who doesn't want that level of glamour Mm -hmm. to be part of this yeah so yeah some people don't that's that's just uh, me yeah Do you want to talk about Katy Perry? Um, Yeah. And here's the thing. I, I, at first I liked it. You know, she came dressed as a chandelier, like literally a chandelier. Um, 
and then her like second look was a hamburg like a hamburger coat, both by Moschino. Um, I like the hamburger thing a lot better. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that she had like a um, what do you call it? Like a, a toothpick. T- like her head was supposed to be like I guess the pickle or some silver ball that you put on a hamburger. But I liked that it was a toothpick. I thought it was very um, tongue in cheek, and she had hamburger shoes and a hamburger purse. She was a slider. Okay. She was a sl- no because a slider would have a toothpick in the top oh, so that you. Oh, yeah. really? I see. I didn't know that. Um, because it's an it, it's an appetizer. Oh, that's why the toothpick was there. That's cute. Yeah, it's adorable. I didn't think. I mean, you know. So she was a slider that was like bejeweled. <laughs> I've been corrected. Um, <laughs> but my favorite is the video of her in the bathroom putting the hamburger on, and J Lo walks in on her, and it's like, what the fuck is this? Like. I thought it was really I funny. I think J-Lo said something like, ooh, juicy buns. Or something. It was like, oh you couldn't God. really make yeah. out what she was saying, but she was clearly entertained yeah, by what she was Yeah, it was saying. just really funny. Yeah. Um, but I'm still, like, the look, the, the chandelier look, I thought was really fun, but it was so literal. Like, it was, yeah. it was like, okay. And I really enjoyed the memes of her next to Lumiere. <laughs> it was just great. Um, so I, I, I don't really know. I Like, it was meh. A, a little meh. Tiny meh. So this is very like Katy Perry does camp because yeah. she's very literal mm-hmm. with a lot of her interpretations. Yeah. Um, and I think I mean, I'm 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 not necessarily speaking from experience here, but I think you can look back at what she's worn to other Met Galas and see like, oh, she took this idea literally. Great. Um, but I don't mind either look. I definitely agree with you that the slider was ad- adorable and I kind of wanted to see more of that look than um, the uh, the chandelier. I do, however, understand that given the, um, the, the space requirements for the chandelier, that it was smart for her to wear it on the red carpet so that she can then change into this like this other look that is like less voluminous. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um but I do think that there is an element of camp to what she was wearing. I think it was very club kid. It was definitely something you would have seen at, you know, Disco 2000 at the Limelight back in the 90s. And um, just a little a little too obvious, but um, maybe it was missing um, a theatrical element from Katie herself yeah. in terms of I like... I mean, she couldn't really walk of in that. that. Like, it's well, also, no. you know, it was like Janelle Monet couldn't walk in her outfit, but like she knew what to do with it. Whereas like Katy Perry could not maneuver her outfit at all. It also, she looked uncomfortable in it. Yeah. But it was still, I appreciated the sentiment. Behind yes, it. I know. And I'm not like trashing it or saying it's terrible. I was just kind of like, I don't know why I'm not like jumping up and down and screaming about this. And it wasn't because it's Katy Perry because her visuals are actually always very entertaining mm-hmm. and th- th- she's been campy from the beginning. Okay. Like, you know, she had like whipped cream, you know, titty cannons. I mean, it, it's, she knows what she's doing. It's mm-hmm. just, I think this was too, almost too serious. The mm-hmm. chandelier, I okay. think. Um, but it was really cool. I mean, that's also part of camp is to take it all seriously. And then we're supposed to laugh at it. I would have it. loved not it if, to know. if like when she it's made funny. it to the top of the steps, like she had sparklers in all of the mm. like light bulbs. That would have been fun. But I mean, that's asking too much. I, I think. I forget who I th- want to say it was Sasha Velour. Maybe what Sasha Velour did a video with Women's Wear Daily where she talked about all of the mm-hmm. Mecca looks. And I want to say it was her who said she wished the lights on the chandelier 
were actual candles that needed to be snuffed out that were like dripping with wax. That would have been production, but also not safe for Katie. (laughs) No, No. (laughs) but it would have been fun. Um, I, okay. So this last one is just like a general thing to most, if not all of the men who came to the Met Gala. This was your opportunity to like, like I've said a whole bunch of times on this on this show today. This was your opportunity to go big, to do something that you would have never done, to play with gender roles mm-hmm. and to play with what is considered socially acceptable for a man to wear versus what, you know, women are expected to wear. Mm-hmm. And for you to throw all of that out for one evening and put something on that is flamboyant and feminine and it was really disappointing to see, you know, like um, the the one person whose interview really sticks out in my mind is, um, and I'm fucking forgetting his name because of course I am, um, but he was interviewed and he said they wanted to do something that was flamboyant but still masculine. Ooh. And I was like, oh, this this reeks of like of toxic masculinity. Why can't you just be flamboyant? Why does it have to be flamboyant but masculine? Because then that makes you know, if if you're not masculine, it's you know, you're gay, right? You know, no Mike, homo. It was Michael B. Jordan. Sorry, I could not think of oh, his name. Oh, in his boring sequence suit, that wasn't fa- that wasn't like flamboyant. It just to. He could have worn that and not said that, and it probably would have been fine. But the fact that he said that, it just, like I said, it reeked of toxic masculinity. Um, Yeah, there were just, there were so many men, you know, like James Corden, Kanye West, that were there in just like... Kanye West, who looked like he got dragged there. Yeah. Like, literally, he just looked like he didn't want to be there. But, I mean, her... Jesus said that it looked like he came from work. Yeah. (laughs) Like, Kim Kardashian's explanation was that like it was the first time and i didn't know this that she had been invited on her own and a plus one was extended to her right so and and anna winter you know and and her first time going to the met gala was as kanye's plus one so they wanted to reverse it that's a cute way to spin it we get it your marriage is in trouble like everyone (laughs) sees it we can see you kim we can see you i'm in Again, I don't care for her, but like, you know, she's going to outrun him socially, I think. Not for nothing. I know that like, I know that the reception to Kanye's clothing, like his fashion line was not great, but he has a fashion line. So he could have at least worn something from there or gotten something from Dapper Dan or like, I I just, I I get that you were the plus one, but like you could have tried a little bit harder. Kanye looks very dead behind the eyes. Lately, I, I hope that whatever he needs to do, like whatever help he needs, that he finds it and that he's better because, you know, yeah. oh, but I mean, his music I, again, once pe- upon a people time, people like Kanye and, and other men who just did not take the opportunity, I think, to like really do it up. Um, you know, it was a shame because you have people like, I mean, even Harry Styles, who was playing with gender, you know, with his like sheer blouse was great. Darren Chris was amazing. I mean, Hamish Bowles, but that goes without saying. And right. and even, you know, Ryan Murphy paid tribute to Liberace. Yes. In a cape that he could barely carry, it looked like. That cape looked heavy. Um, Ooh, it looked heavy. And there were some other men. I mean, I didn't recognize all of them, but those to me were the like, you know, standouts in terms of, 
oh, okay, you're like having fun with this. Yeah. You know? Um, Patrick, so I really appreciate it. Patrick that. Schwarzenegger was there and he wore uh, like a Western outfit and it mm-hmm. just didn't, to me, it didn't seem like he was dressed up enough. Yeah. You know, if I'm a man and I'm going to show up in a Western outfit, I'm going to take elements from like what women wear in Western clothing and wear fringe and, um, and, and tassels like on my boots mm-hmm. or spurs just like really take you know, it there. For a now, people just need to watch the last episode of Project Runway, which actually was really, it was Elton John themed. And yes. a few of the designers really sent things down the runway that were Elton John inspired, but that I thought were like, like that's camp. Yeah. And, you know, they were all on male models, so you could see what it looks like. Exactly. It's not that hard. And speaking of uh, that episode of Project Runway, Taryn Egerton, who mm-hmm. I'm pretty, I, if I remember correctly, he was there. Yep. Taryn Egerton, you're about to play, or you've already played Elton John in a Mm. biopic, and you show up to the Met Gala in something so... A black tuxedo with rhinestones on the jacket. You've got to be kidding me. You have got to be kidding me. He really could have just shown up in one of the costumes from the movie. Like That would have been great for press and the theme and X, Y, and Z. Elton John has performed in a rhinestoned baseball outfit. Mm-hmm. You mean to tell me that you could not find any inspiration from what he wore He's been after chicken. you've been in his clothing uh-huh. for a whole fucking movie? Yep. He's been a chicken. He's been Donald fucking Duck on stage. Figure it out. It's disappointing. It's just disappointing. It's not hard. Speaking of disappointing. Do we have to let's juicy do it. fruit? No, it's <laughs> juicy. not juicy fruit. That's not the gum. It's zebra stripe right yes yeah, whatever the zebra stripe gum well the zebra stripe gum the zebra stripe gum was there in the form of rupaul <laughs> in the sequined <laughs> zebra suit with a zebra head i and i rupaul has said i had a dj gig that night people are like lady bunny djs and drag right um <laughs> it would have to be on rupaul's dime to fly out you know people like raven and zaldi and you know like delta or whoever his new hair person is to do this for him but like okay plan it and out plan it out zaldi made the suit like I mean, it it just doesn't like I understand all of the excuses as to why RuPaul was not no, in drag. No, I'm just, I started those because I I, I announced those because it's like okay, we get these are your excuses, but I don't think they hold water. Well, I said that more for the listeners because I oh. know that more than one person is probably going to be like, well, RuPaul would have had to put it on his own dime. I I understand every mm-hmm. single one of those excuses. Yeah. This is the fucking Met Gala, and all and everybody RuPaul, else is putting in the same effort, and well, not everybody, but. You know, other people were spending their money too. Right. I I know Billy Porter's successful, but he ha- does not have the financial means that RuPaul mm-hmm. probably has. And look at what Billy Porter put together. Mm-hmm. And granted, I'm sure I'm sure that that whole production moment was paid for by somebody for Billy yeah, Porter. Yeah, a lot of times, you know, the designers will work with you know, like I'm I'm sure that you know they pay for things but it's also like designers will work with these celebrities to create things for the Met Gala because it's also a showcase. Yeah. You know, but RuPaul, I mean, and I know you know I saw, I've seen a lot of things on social media saying yeah, you know, leave him alone like you said or blah but it's like again, you are the representative of what people people see drag as camp. Drag can be camp. 
there were two other drag queens there who did not really, you know, ace the assignment. They were in drag. They were in drag. They were in drag, but it was not... And that on its own is, is, is camp, camp but not really when you're a working drag queen. It, 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 but yeah, whatever. exactly. Anyway, yeah. but they, they were they were cute looks. I'm glad that they were there, but it was not the you know like let's show these other people how it's done because right. that's real. Like, come on, you know the like, thing. The it thing was to really me, irritating. The thing to me is that RuPaul is the visual representation of queerness to mainstream mm-hmm. America. RuPaul's Drag Race is now on VH1. And so people can now see RuPaul in drag on a bigger platform. And so for RuPaul to be invited to this huge party that is the Met Gala and for RuPaul to show up out of drag is beyond disappointing to the queer community who is looking and being like, okay, this is this is the moment. This is the moment where you go against what you have said in terms of like, oh, I'm not I'm not doing drag unless I'm getting paid and you know all of these other things that he said. You know what? That's fine. And to me, it reads as like RuPaul being tired of being in drag. It's sort of like what Divine was going through uh, right before he died. And I I understand that uh, in a in a way, but to not see that the fan base that is rooting for you and i was waiting that whole day when we were watching we were watching the live stream of the the met gala i was like i cannot wait for rupaul Mm -hmm. to get here i know he's not going to let us down and then for him to let us down i just donatella was offended (laughs) our turtle just like i don't know if you could hear that but she just jumped back in the water (laughs) like i'm done i've had it um, I mean, I was even checking Raven's Instagram to see where she was posting from. Right. Because as much as we criticize RuPaul, at the same time, it's kind of what we've got. Right. I mean, honestly, like the queer community, like she is the the face, like Robert said, of queerness and what drag is in camp, too. Mm-hmm. I'm just sad. Uh, yeah. Thankfully, there were, thankfully, we had Billy Porter and thankfully... Um, we had the the entire cast of Pose. Uh, we had Dominique Jackson mm-hmm. and MJ Moore and and yeah and India Moore. India Moore who confronted RuPaul. Yeah, I as mean, well? oh my God! When he told her that he had only seen one episode of Pose, she was like, "Well, you should reciprocate that support that we give you." Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, India Moore is a genius, by the way. Yeah, that, like I want to see her just soar and soar and soar, but. For anyone who has ever criticized us for saying that we do not agree with RuPaul's politics or that RuPaul is not enough of a representative, look at India motherfucking Moore, who went up to Mm -hmm. him in person at the fucking Met Gala and said, hello, you as a representative of the black queer community Mm -hmm. need to reciprocate some of that love in our direction. And that is full. It is full of little nuggets. You could sit there all day Mm -hmm. and just, just sip on this tea of, of, of what she said to him because you have all of the, I mean, the one that comes to mind is the fact that we had Travis wall teaching these girls on season 11, had a Vogue, like what a joke, what a fucking joke. Single ballroom icon was that was you know maybe they were asked we don't know but you know asked anyway. or not Ru- uh, uh, michelle supposedly was part of a of a, a vogue listen we've L- all she seen, has we, contacts we she does have contacts. whether we, whether the she i'm talking about is michelle or rue she has contacts <laughs> but we've all 1-800 seen 1-800 contacts we've all seen the 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 videos of michelle visage voguing 
I don't want to talk about that. Yeah, we won't talk about that. I don't want to talk. I, it just that. makes me want to, like, <laughs> let's take a break. I'm exhausted. Yes. So that's the end of our conversation about the Met Gala. <laughs> be sure to be sure to sound off in the in the comments mm-hmm. and stuff. Let's let's have a conversation yeah. about it. Um, but stick around. We'll be right back. Today's show is brought to you by Casper.com. Casper is an online retailer of premium mattresses for a fraction of the price. And they're revolutionizing the mattress industry by cutting the cost of dealing with resellers and showrooms and passing that savings directly to the consumer. Casper gives you an obsessively engineered mattress at a shockingly fair price with just the right sink and just the right bounce. Latex and memory foam come together for a life well slept. Try sleeping on a Casper for 100 days with free shipping and painless returns. Get $50 toward any mattress purchase by visiting caspertrial.com slash kiki and using promo code 50sleep. That's promo code 50sleep. Terms and conditions apply. We're back and it's time to do our one minute drag race review. Um, Are you ready with that timer? I am. Mr. DJ? No, way I'm not. Yeah, hold on. No, you're not. I lied. <sighs> oh, you shush. <laughs> All right. Ready and go. Yes, you're beginning. Oh, I am. Okay. Ooh. Um, shit, where is it here? Okay. Uh, this is gaslighting at its best. Yes. Yeah. Um, Keep going. <laughs> I want to know why Silky's being pushed through. I'm tired of it. Like, no. No mas. Yeah. Um, how can a meh lip sync result like not result in a double elimination there was no reason for nina to go home based on that lip sync also i told you that that silky's lip syncing skills were going to be disappointing next anyway it was great seeing lena waith and wanda sykes on the judges panel and we need more queer people of color on the panel because there are far too few i think in general yes so more please more 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 reciprocal uh support more lena waith how about that oh for sure yeah um can evie like really i want to know if we can get evie an emotional support animal because she was being eaten alive and beaten up on that stage yes oh and i know it's after the timer but nina for all stars five because you know that nina's gonna be on all stars she better be nina and whoever gets eliminated on this next episode Mm -hmm. all stars five you'll Mm. see really knowing who's going home next you want her again um, I didn't say that. Oh. I'm saying you know. Oh, well, we know. Well, yeah. okay, fine. Right. So what's in this week's Keto Corner, Robert? Um, so this week, I'm going to talk about the importance of hydration. I don't know if I've talked about this before, but a big part of... Uh, so I have talked about my persistent post-nasal drip that has led to congestion. Plot twist, it was actually dehydration. Mm. 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 So hydration is important regardless of how you're eating. Uh, but just make sure that um, make sure that if you're doing keto, because keto does not allow you to keep any of your um, like your excess water, it just comes right. It comes out through sweating or urinating. You know, however, however, water is supposed to come out of your body. Um, Um, just remember that you need to stay hydrated and, um, I've never found it more important to both pay attention to the color of your urine and also to drink half your weight, half your body weight in ounces of water every single day. Um, it's just, it's, it's helped me with not having the congestion issues that I've had. Um, and it's even more important if you're consuming alcohol or if you're planning on having a cheat meal. Yeah. 
And there's like a really great way too that you can keep track of it. It's the My Water app. Yes. Um, it will like you can set it to send to give you like an an um like an audio alarm when it's time to like drink water based on your weight and height and you know what your uh, hydration requirements are so. and whatever intervals you you e- yeah exactly so it'll help keep you honest with so, your uh, daily water intake right it reminds me every two hours starting at 9 a.m mm-hmm. so it's it's been a big help um uh and especially uh, so the thing about cheating at least for me that i've noticed is that uh when i have a cheat meal i immediately am completely depleted of my electrolytes so and i have not completely figured out what that's about but at this point, if I am going to have a cheat meal, I know that I have to take uh, some sort of electrolyte supplement either with the meal or right after the meal. Yeah. Otherwise, I'll end up with cramps that are directly related mm-hmm. to electrolyte depletion. Yeah. I have to do that. But I only have to do it if I'm having something sweet for some reason. Because like salty foods or like chips, you know, when, when we have a cheat meal here or there, like or, or like bread, that doesn't do it. It's sweet things. So mm. like... If I have, like, after we had sushi last week, um, since we decided it was a cheat day, we got, I got gummy candy. And I had about a handful and that was it. And that was all it took was having, you know, um, like corn syrup and sugar and all of that introduced back into my diet when it's not there anymore. Was awful. Yeah. Awful. But if I'd taken my electrolyte pills and enough water that day, which I forgot to do, I wouldn't have woken up on Monday feeling like I'd been run over by a truck. Yes. So, because it, it just makes you feel like you're actually hungover. Yeah. 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 And it's, it's terrible. Um, I know for me, it's also really bad if I have sugar, but um, it just happens faster if mm-hmm. I have sugar. Whereas uh, we went out, when we went out for sushi last weekend, um, I felt the effects of like the electrolyte depletion before we even left the restaurant. So um, just keep that in mind. Again, hydration is important for everyone, but especially if you're doing keto because you are renting every liquid that goes into your body. Yep. Um, and um, the last thing is we made this amazing uh, peanut butter chocolate ganache cheesecake mm. uh, that is a recipe uh, by Headbangers Kitchen. Um, he's a great keto YouTuber. Um, who has, uh, I don't know if his cookbook has already come out, but I know he's working on a cookbook, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, really good. Yes. Like it's so decadent. Yes. Mm. I was nervous because he uses uh, smooth peanut butter in his recipe and we only had chunky and like eight bricks of mm. uh, cream cheese that were about to expire. So we were like, guess we got to make a cheesecake. And um, the... The, the chunks of peanut are not disappointing whatsoever. Yeah. Mm. Um, so, yeah. And also, this, uh, this was not something I wrote down, but if you're going to change the way you eat and if you're going to be focused on um, on a, a weight loss goal or um, even uh, like any kind of goal, if you're going to change your way of eating, make sure your food tastes good. Like it sounds stupid. It sounds stupid to be have that be the piece of advice. But I feel like people regularly forget to make their food taste good. So make sure your food tastes good. Like that diet that we were on for a few months. Exactly. The brown bean diet. That was exactly. awful. That's one of the things that has made uh, success on keto so easy is that we do not, we don't eat anything that doesn't taste good. Yeah. Like those keto bagels. Amazing. We made them again this weekend. We talked about them last week, but guys, really try it. We made, no, we didn't make two dozen. We made I forgot eight, about that. We made eight. Time. I mean, we made them a little small. Anyway, like it is, it's really easy to, to make your food um, 
taste good on this. Because, like, you know what? All diets have spice. Like, no diet restricts uh, spices or seasoning. Yeah. So, like, make it taste good, no matter what you're doing. Yeah. Because what's the point? If I you mean, get if you get um, a spice in, like, you know, a, the the just the spice dried or whatever you call it powdered just make sure look at the ingredients and make sure that what you're buying is just the spice mm-hmm. because i feel like a lot of people think oh, oh i won't use salt i'll use mrs dash and it's like mrs dash is cute but i feel like it feeds into that whole like let's make our food taste bad so we eat less of it you know but mrs dash doesn't have salts and stuff in it. like it doesn't have like msg and stuff in it it's just spices. no no i know that i'm just oh. i'm saying it, it i feel like a lot of people who have to uh, consume less salts i feel like they go right to mrs dash which i'm sure mrs dash is great but the salt is not necessarily the problem it's probably something else that's in your mm. diet so um yeah just like i said make sure your food tastes good there are so many seasonings out there they are sold at uh, not just at at uh, the grocery store anymore. You can find them at Rite Aid, the dollar and store. at the dollar store. Oh, I love dollar store spices. I have just my entire life bought them, and you can find the strangest spi- like spices that you wouldn't be able to find, or you know, because they say McCormick, they're like ten dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you need some cardamom, go to the dollar store. You need some, I don't know, marjoram, go to the dollar store. It's all there. Or if you're already at the grocery store, head over to uh, the aisle with all the Goya products. Mm-hmm. You will find the same seasonings for probably half the price. Yeah, absolutely. And in bigger, bigger containers. Yeah. So they'll last you longer. Yeah. So that's my keto corner. Uh, we're going to put the recipe for the cheesecake in the, in the uh, show notes. In the show notes. And, yeah. So you so can get it there. Be sure to check it out. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's time for I'm so excited. I'm so excited. Daniel, do you want to start? Yes, I'm so excited, even though you like kind of spoiled it at the beginning. Sorry. Um, but I'm so excited this week about the hopefully upcoming premiere of the Black Women Stitch podcast. Um, Black Women Stitch is a podcast that is being developed by uh, Lisa Wolfork from Virginia, um, who we met at Pod and Live. And um, she drove all the way up from Virginia just to attend Pod and Live to talk to people about starting a podcast, equipment, her idea, um, things like that. And also um, to uh, to like go on a fabric shopping trip. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. On her social media, she went to this place in Brooklyn called Fab Scrap, which basically is like a pay what you want um like depot for un like unwanted fabric from manufacturers and uh, garment retailers and things. So they, what you know, normally this stuff gets shredded or burned. So they, what? Yeah. Really? So they basically, since it's being thrown out, they collect it, provide the space for it to be like sorted and and whatever, and then they they hold uh, live uh, Facebook auctions for like their really nice fabrics. Um, I think they do them on Instagram too, but they also have a physical space in Brooklyn um, where you can go and like look at all the different fabrics. And I, I think for the most part, it's like pay what you want, hmm. and you know, because then it's not going to a landfill or, you know, like, uh, you know, burning all these fabrics that have like synthetic fibers and stuff is not actually um, eco-friendly. I didn't know that so that's what happened. She went there. I just learned about that. I'm very excited about it. I really want to go. Um, 
but her and I just had this like long conversation about sewing and, and mm-hmm. fabric suppliers. And it was just really um, like a podcast about sewing, but particularly about like black women sewing and, and yeah. kind of getting together because she plans these meetups um, for sewers in her area every year. It's like a beach weekend. Um, wow. So now she's trying to branch out and um, uh, create a podcast about it. So I really hope that it gets off the ground. Um, she's really cool, makes a lot of fun things and posts them on her Instagram. Um, and she has these swatch cards that she developed where she staples a swatch of the fabric and then it has like yardage that she bought, where she bought it from, um, and you know, what, what project she's intending to use it for. So you don't forget and you can like, you know, organize your, you know, your fabric stash. She's inspiring. I was beyond impressed like capital i mm-hmm. impressed by the swatch cards and i mean her instagram showing her equipment made me so jealous like she has a sublimation press that she made a fan of Janicia's face on from queen and jay that folds up yes. and is in a little was in a little pouch with a sublimated uh print that said i'm i'm not, not a lady. lady not a lady yeah not a lady which yeah. was i mean Lisa, you're great. I'm very excited, and I hope that uh, that it comes out soon. Um, you can follow Lisa on Instagram at Black Women Stitch. Yes. So you can find out all about that there. Yes. And I am also excited about a podcast, actually a podcast that was at Pod and Live, but because I'm such, a, um, such an introvert, I did not introduce myself. Um, but the podcast is Queer Walk, uh, hosted by Money and Nikita. They talk about all things... Uh, relating to queer women of color. Uh, there are two women who live in Syracuse, New York, and there are a lot of, um, there are a lot of, I guess, unique experiences that do happen when you're living, uh, I guess, in a more like suburban area like Syracuse. I think Syracuse is suburban. I've been there like once, but. It's far. It, yeah, it's far. I know that. Um, but I had their, um, I had their, uh, voices in my head because I went and got a haircut at a barber shop for the first time in years and it was so stress inducing. And I just, I thought about, I think it was money who went to get a haircut and it, it, she had this opportunity to, or th- they had this opportunity to talk about basketball, which is a thing that I guess they don't get to do a lot. And and you know was was just participating in a conversation at the barbershop and it just turned into this microaggression about oh you know like not that one and it just i i had i had their voices in my head when i was trying to pick a barbershop and you know i like just all of these things about the simple task of going to get your hair cut and how mm-hmm. like you shouldn't have to think about what type of emotional work you're going to have to do in order to get that haircut especially considering you're already paying for the haircut you know what i mean like it's not hard. that making it, it, it not that it's it being hard to free. navigate those spaces exactly so i just i had their voices in my head um and i also uh, uh there was also one of their more recent episodes they talked about going shopping when they were um when they were like i guess like middle school high school age and how they hated it and the realization that like there was something wrong with the clothes, not their body, like such mm-hmm. an important thing for me to hear as a person of size who has had similar experiences with not finding clothing that fits me and hearing from my mother that if I don't lose weight, 
there isn't going to be clothes for me, basically, and not working the other way around, because that's how it should be. You should be finding clothes that fits your body, not fitting your body into these clothes. Exactly. So um, thank you for uh, thank you for for those moments. It, it really helped with um, with the stress that I felt about, um, you know, moving into my body, as I talked about earlier on to this on this episode and also going to get my hair cut. Um, by a stranger, which is something I haven't done in years. Uh, so they are Queer Walk Pod on uh, Instagram and uh, Twitter. So please follow them and make sure you subscribe to their podcast. They are amazing and they're doing great work. Um, so that's the end of our episode. Yeah. Um, make sure you tune in next week because we're continuing our discussion of camp um, by uh, doing a review of the fashion notes on Yes, Fashion Notes on Camp yes. uh, exhibition at the Met uh, that we're going to go see this week. Um, so we're we're looking forward to recording that. So we hope you enjoy it. Um, yeah. So we're Grizzly Kiki on everything. That means Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So be you, sure to follow us there. You can send your questions to grizzlykiki at gmail.com and maybe we'll read yours on the air. And don't forget to subscribe on iTunes and Spotify. So until next time, Bye! bye.